Welcome to the Professional Technical Interviewee. I'm Taylor Dorsett. In my six-year career in technical recruiting, I realized that just about every company does technical interviews differently. Many very good senior engineers do not do well in technical interviews, despite being great developers. The only way to get better at interviewing is to practice. Many early career engineers don't really know what a technical interview is like until they're in their first one. Our goal here is to change that and shed some light on the technical interview. My guest today is Ben Wilhelm. Ben's a self-taught developer. He worked as an instructor for several years at a coding bootcamp and is currently a staff engineer at Screencastify. He also creates a lot of content targeted at early career engineers. I hope you enjoy this episode. My guest today is Ben Wilhelm. Uh, he is currently a staff engineer at Screencastify. Uh, before that, he was a senior instructor at Full Stack Academy. And then you also currently are building courses and content for uh, bootcamp grads to help them be successful in their first job. How are you? That's, that's right. I'm great, Taylor. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well. Um, you know, it's always uh, it's another beautiful day in Chicago. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there, right? Um, well, yeah. you know, I gave you the brief intro, but um, do you want to share anything more about um, kind of your team or what you, you currently do? Um, yeah, so I'm a, a staff engineer. I am, um, it's funny, my title has DevOps in the role, although that's a that's a new thing for me. I've, I made a, a shift into DevOps and I'm currently our only DevOps engineer. Um, as it, we have grown from a team of three engineers at the beginning of the year um, to, I think we're 17 engineers now. Oh, wow. Uh, because we make screencasting software for K through 12 education. So it's, it's real busy right now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we've, we've scaled up very quickly. And so um, that's uh, been... For me personally, that's been a really interesting challenge and it has made me think a lot about um, my own time being self-taught. I, you know, I was, I'm a self-taught engineer from the days before boot camps mm-hmm. uh, and getting into my first job and feeling just adrift uh, with everything that was around me. And from what everything I talked to bootcamp grads that you know i was i was an instructor and i still have contact with a lot of bootcamp grads and that that when they get into their first job suddenly they're you know it's very different from the sort of controlled environment that they were used to and the tech stack that they've taught themselves oftentimes even post bootcamp that um it's it's funny to be in that position of discomfort again and it's a very real thing (laughs) um to to start suddenly feel like oh I have to teach myself a lot of stuff very quickly, um, and so it's it's been I don't know it's been sort of a, a moment of solidarity with so many of my former students to to sort of just I guess what I'm trying to say is like it never goes away you'll have these sure. moments throughout your career you'll never just hit your stride and go and and you just have to constantly be growing and it'll always be a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. Um, I worked at Axelize, which was a coding boot camp a number of years ago. Um, and mm-hmm. We had an instructor, maybe two when I was there, who basically decided they wanted to move back into a full-time engineering role. And it was always interesting speaking with them. Um, and I, I was, you know, doing my best to help them find jobs and connect them with people. And they were always like, I don't know exactly where to slot myself. Because they're like, I know I'm a good engineer, but 
it's been a long time since I've worked fully in a new tech stack and just, you know, had that, you know, just the software development life cycle is very different than the teaching software development, um, you know, course load. So it was, it was always interesting conversations for me and hearing their own self-reflection of where they kind of thought their skill set would fit in with the market. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's a really good point that the, the specific technologies are not as important as the engineering mindset and the ability to learn new technologies, the ability to understand um, fundamentals has, is kind of a loaded word. Um, uh, But, but to, to understand what I like to say to what it, what it, what it means to decompose problems uh, and, and apply the right solution to the smallest problem that you can possibly create a bunch of small problems and then put them all back together and instead of just memorizing a bunch of APIs, you know? Sure. Absolutely. It's something we talk a lot about on the show is what do you do when it, you're just at a point where you go, I don't even know where to start. Right. And it's, yeah. but you have to find what, what can you start with? Right. Cause then at least you can ship some little piece away, then you can keep moving forward. Right. But I think often, and, and very much people early in their career, you just get to that, that panic mode or that just information overload. Right. Which I think often happens um, in interviews, but also like you're saying early in a, a job uh, where it's just drinking from the fire hose. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And have you done, I, I'm kind of interested, have you done a lot of technical interviews recently? Because I know you haven't been with Street Screencastify um, terribly long. Yeah, you know, I, I most of the interviews that I have done since I've been at Screencastify have been for managers more than ICs. Um, so that's a, that's a different kind of thing you're interviewing for. Sure. Um, and prior to that, I, was, I worked for two years as a consultant, so I wasn't interviewing anyone. Yeah. Prior to that, I was an instructor. Uh, so I was doing a lot of practice interviews, mm-hmm. um, which, so I was doing like, you know, given, depending on the time of the cohort, I might be doing 10 interviews a day, right? Yeah. Um, but, but lately, no, I haven't been doing a ton of interviews. Yeah. And on the other side of the table, did you go through rounds of interviews before you found Screencastify or were you kind of introduced um, to them? No, <laughs> I've been incredibly fortunate to not have to interview very much in my career. Sure. And it's, I'm not going to lie. It makes me a little bit self-conscious. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so, you know, I, I had to interview sort of early on, you know, when I was, when I was like first getting my first job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically every job since then has been, with someone that the, the person hiring me sort of plucked me from like they moved on and then plucked me and took me along. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is, has been great. <laughs> um, but it means that I haven't, I don't have a ton of experience interviewing, which yeah. I think is, uh, I don't know. It's, it, I feel, I feel fortunate, but also, like I said, a little bit insecure about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that that's, kind of the whole point of this this show is showing that you know one it's something that you can get better at but it is almost its own skill set right yeah like you said absolutely you're getting drawn or you know kind of plucked from company to company because someone recognizes this individual knows how to do the work and when they're in a new role and they have a role that you could be a good fit for they go oh i should reach out to ben right it doesn't really matter if you can solve their 
ar- arbitrary coding problem in an interview or not. If they know that you can do the work. So um, that interviewing is, is just such an interesting thing. And I think it's very, uh, very much shows that the power of a network, right? If you're actually building relationships and like, I don't know, maybe a decent human being to some extent as well yeah. um, when you're working, <laughs> that can really be fruitful later on in your career where people go, oh, I know so-and-so who'd be a good fit for this, right? Rather than you yeah. having a cold apply to hundreds of roles to get a, get a job, right? Well, and especially when, because it means that when you first get that idea that you're like, I wonder if maybe it's time to start looking around, mm-hmm. you just start talking to the people that you know. Yeah. And the people that you know, if they have an an open position they would say oh you know you'd be good for this here is that interesting to you like that's you know that's what happened at screencastify as i was yeah i was talking to a friend there and he said oh well i i need an engineer uh yesterday (laughs) yeah and and you know it was because the that's the thing that you got to remember is like hiring is risky hiring uh, like an engineer is expensive and an engineer that doesn't pan out and doesn't fit with the team um, is it, that's an expensive mistake, or at least something that needs to be remedied, and that takes time and and expense. Um, and so, people are always going to like if you're in a hiring position, you're always going to go with the known quantity. Yeah. Um, and so the more you can be a known quantity to people, <laughs> the the better you can find your way to more jobs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's something that is really difficult to think about early in a career, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking for that first job, because it does feel like, you know, you got to pound the um, algorithm practice and you have to apply to as many places as possible, which are, are hugely important, right? Just from a numbers perspective. Um, yeah. But it's very easy to forget that like, Oh, there's also a, I don't know, the networking aspect of it. Like that can open a lot of doors as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even, even at the beginning, even for your first job, yeah. I got my first job. Like I was interviewing all over the place. The first job I got was somebody that I had done theater with five years prior. Yeah. Like somebody from my old industry who was now in my new industry was was able to get me in get me in front i still had to interview for that job but was able Mm -hmm. to get me in front of someone with a recommendation with a good said you know like paved the way and and yeah yeah i i've shared this before but that was my my path as well was basically just through networking of senior engineers that i'd worked with in the past and you know i had kind of a conversation with one that said oh you studied view at your boot camp I have some view work. It's really basic stuff, but like, if you can do it, then you could start today, tomorrow, whenever it works for you. It's like, it was paid work that, you know, it was part-time stuff, but that helped me land a full-time job um, shortly after that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it is sometimes just those conversations. Um, I I don't typically ask about this, but I'm very curious because we have similar backgrounds in the fact that um, I also have a theater degree. I know you were self-taught. I went through a boot camp. It's a little bit different, right? But Uh I'm just curious if you can share for, it seems like there are actually a lot of theater majors, but maybe even arts majors might be the right term um, to put around it that are kind of shifting into engineering that have a lot of that same insecurity around interviewing. Is there anything you may have to, to share with people that come from that background? Um, yeah. I mean, I think that your 
arts background, your humanities background can be your, your differentiator. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to find the person who recognizes that though. Not everyone recognizes that. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, I'm not discounting the value of solid technical chops, like do that, study your algorithms, um, you know, do, do your technical interview practice. But the thing I, I am firmly convinced that the thing that has led like directly to my success as an engineer is being able to be in a room with multiple people, multiple stakeholders, understand what's important, be able to, I don't want to say play those politics as much as find like align people in, in what, like be able to prioritize interests and prioritize objectives, mm-hmm. um, in a way that is, uh, humane <laughs> yeah. in a way that is, that makes people feel like they, they want to get, Whoa, well, maybe I didn't quite get the thing that I wanted, but I understand now why we're going for what we're going for and let's all get on board. Like to, to be able to, um, work with, honestly it's just working with people to be able to work well with people which is a thing that especially from the performing arts at, i mean i my i wasn't an actor i was a, a lighting designer um and so i was frequently in a room with a bunch of different disciplines trying to create something that only existed in our heads yeah which sounds an awful lot like writing software right <laughs> um so like being able to come from that and and apply those soft skills on top of the hard skills it makes you a very very desirable candidate but you have to learn to articulate that too yeah absolutely well i i'm curious um you kind of have two different like you said your interviewing currently has been more so for for managers um but then you've also done lots of mock interviews in the past I guess, what are you evaluating for, kind of looking for? There's two pretty different buckets, but if you could get some insight into maybe maybe both sides. Sure. I mean, for uh, an individual contributor, um, and especially for someone getting started, like early, you know, their first or second job, Mm -hmm. um, I'm evaluating a lot less about whether they know our particular stack, whether they know the technologies that we know um, or that we work in. I, I want to see that they have a foothold in them, but I'm not, I'm not super concerned about like, because chances are you've only worked in one full stack, right? In any depth. Um, so I'm not super concerned that it's going to match perfectly with ours. What I want to see is that you can think for yourself that you have a good understanding of your own limitations Mm-hmm. Um, that you will move confidently in the, in the things that you know, but you will ask for help in the things that you don't and you, and that you can recognize the shift. Sure. Um, the, you know, the other thing that I sort of alluded to is like, can you look at a complex problem and break it down into smaller problems? Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I think probably because of my own background, I tend to not lean really heavily on technical chops when I'm interviewing. Um, and I tend to ask more sort of system design 
lines questions sounds more uh, more intricate than they really are, but much more about um, like, can you get a high level overview of what, like, can you, can you make sense of this problem that I hand you mm-hmm. and, and break it down into its problems? And, and in, over the course of that, usually what I do, especially because when you're, when you're interviewing for a, when you're interviewing a, an, an earlier career engineer, their knowledge is going to be spotty. Um, they're going to be really deep on some things and really shallow on others. And so if you come in with a very, with a specific question that just happens to land where they are not competent, Mm -hmm. you might totally miss out on a, on a great fit. Right. And I've never worked for Apple where I can be super choosy about who I hire. Like, again, when I, when I need an engineer, I need him yesterday. Um, and, and so I want to make sure that I can get, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of tolerance for false negatives. Sure. Um, like, like I could, if I was working at a, at a, you know, much more prestigious company probably. Right. Yeah. Um, so what I tend to do is I, I come at it from, from a very high level kind of problem. And when I see the person get some foothold in something, I'll probably dig deeper or sometimes purposely push them into a place they're not comfortable and see kind of where, where they go. Um, I don't often like to write code in an, in a tech interview, because I think that you, you get too laser focused on one small problem. And again, if you end up that, that you're on the problem, that's not in their wheelhouse, then you know, it's not, you might've totally missed on something. So I, I like to, to do a lot more sort of verbal interview. Um, yeah. And then for engineering managers, um, you know, I, I want to hear about what you've done previously as the head of a team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I want to hear about how you interface with stakeholders on a project, how you are able to, you know, translate and prioritize those needs into something that is actionable for your engineers, um, how you can interface with other engineering managers. You know, there are often competing needs between different teams. Um, and, and, and then I actually am a little more interested in whether you either specifically, whether you know that the stack that we're working in or, whether you can really demonstrate that you you can hit it running and and get up to speed on it quickly, um, and again that that is all, always going to depend kind of on the the particular managerial role of how yeah. much they're expected to be writing code. Um, at Screencastify, our managers are still contributing a significant amount of code, so they do need to be familiar with with what we're doing. But yeah. Okay, I think that that's really helpful, especially from the perspective of um, just knowing. I think that shift is often hard for maybe senior level individual contributors to to make. So they don't necessarily they're, they're used to thinking about I was able to do X, and it's yeah. a very different mindset to go. The impact I was able to help my team make is this, right? Which is kind of a very different mindset to get into. Um, and I think hard to articulate, especially early as someone is shifting into management um, to, to articulate in an interview. Yeah. The best way I heard it put uh, was 
that, you know, when you're an IC, you're being judged by your own performance. And when you're mm -hmm. a manager, you're being judged by your team's performance. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is so true and a, and a really, really difficult mindset mind shift to make. And, and to be perfectly honest, one that I failed at, like I, yeah. I am not a manager and that is by design. Like I, <laughs> I got into management for a bit and I was, I don't know if I was good at it, but I did not like it. And I liked being in, being judged by my own contribution. <laughs> uh, well, you're a kindred spirit then. I, I yeah. managed people for several years and very quickly, I think it was the same mindset where I went, I don't know. I, maybe yeah. at some point in the future, I'd be interested in it again. But at this point in time, I'm like, I really enjoy being able to know what I'm doing every day and how that impacts other people, but not have to worry about, you know, five, 10 other people yeah. <laughs> and their impact. Right. The flip side of that is that I really do enjoy mentorship. Like I like being on, I like being a resource to other engineers on the team. I like being able to provide guidance and help and, and jump in and, and offer uh, assistance where necessary, but like, mm -hmm. but I don't, want to be managing a project <laughs> yeah you, you know what's interesting is i feel like that role is often hard to find um because I, I think there's not a good title for that in many places and i think that individual ends up being a manager often right or, or yes kind of dragged into management and i when i look back in my recruiting career actually that was where i felt i was the most successful was i was kind of the number two in an office mm -hmm. and we all were managed by the same individual but i was kind of able to help that person and make sure anything nothing slipped through the cracks, but also um, able to help with all the mentorship because, you know, the manager had a yeah. lot of other things to worry about, but so-and-so might need some help on one particular thing. And I was able to do that while also contributing on my own. And that's yeah. something that I feel like is harder to, maybe I just haven't seen it as much as engineering than, than a sales focused mindset um, or a sales role. But that's something that I feel like is really important and really helps teams do really well is if you have a strong lead, who's a, actually a true mentor probably could be a, a manager, but chooses to be in that role and enjoys that role. Well, I think that is, that's becoming more common in the, in the title staff engineer, like that, oh, that's my title at Screencastify. Yeah. And that's, that uh, is, is what it means is like, you are, you probably have some place that is more or less your responsibility on the team, but you are expected not just to like, own feature delivery, but to be ex you, you are a, a, a anchor of expertise on the team and you can be uh, a, a mentor to other younger developers, or you can, you know, provide, you know, you probably had a long career that you can provide uh, guidance or perspective on things and, and sort of contribute around even where you are sort of anchored in one place probably. Yeah. Interesting. That's something I, I need to do more research around. I, I always think those call them like the, the Riker roles, right? The number two spots yeah. are like so helpful. Um, yeah. Well, great. Well, I, I, do you have a kind of a standardized system um, that you're using? Or I guess, again, when you were doing mock interviews, that how are you trying to evaluate people? Or was it different depending on the role? Like, I think sometimes it's just helpful for people to hear what were the main things that you were looking at and did that system change depending on the individual? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's similar to what I was saying earlier about the difference between an IC and a manager. I mean, yeah. um, it, 
the basically as you are progressing through seniority, like depending on how senior level the role that I'm interviewing for is, I'm going to be looking at more, um, more about, you know, how have you been able to own your leadership at like own, own, own your place, like own your seniority, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how are you, how have you been helping the engineers who are younger than you or less experienced than you to level up? And how have you been making, uh, a effort to level up with the engineers who are more senior than you, or if there are none, you know, maybe you come from a small company and you just feel like you're kind of topped out where you are. Like, how are you, how are you using other resources around, um, to grow there? Um, yeah, I mean, we have a fairly standardized system at Screencastify um, where we send out a, uh, a technical assessment ahead of time mm-hmm. um, and everyone has the option, you know, most, most opt to do it from, uh, you know, in asynchronously and, and send us what they do and send us, you know, kind of a video walking through it. But you, they definitely have the option to do it as an interview with us. Oh, um, interesting. Because, you know, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, there's been a lot of pushback around the idea of a take home assessment because a lot of folks say like, well, I don't have time. I don't have that kind of time basically. Like this is, and man, I've got young kids. I get it. Like, yeah, uh, I, I probably would do the same. It's like, no, can we just schedule an hour during the day that I can talk to you? <laughs> yeah. Um, what I get, you can get whatever technical assessment you need out of me there. Um, if I have that option, nah, I'm going to go with that option every time. Yeah. Um, that's really, that might not have been true earlier in my career though. I, sure. I would have been more excited to like dig in and, and take, uh, you know, show, show everything I can do and spend 12 hours on it or whatever. But yeah, it's, it feels like there is two, kind of two camps, right? There's the, you know, the, live coding interview is stressful and it's not a good example of, you know, what, what someone can actually do. We should all do take homes. And then the people in the, you know, take homes take, you know, four to 12 hours and I should be paid for that work or, um, and maybe, you know, it's doing work for the company or something like that. It feels like there's both camps maybe are, are, um, have their merits, right. But also have their flaws, which is why, interviewing is hard right <laughs> yeah i mean interviewing no is the worst yeah. <laughs> there's no way around it, it yeah sucks for everybody <laughs> absolutely well that brings me to my next question i know you said you were a little insecure about it um or you feel that way sometimes how do you think yeah. um in the past you've done a technical interviews or you know if you were thrown into an interview setting now how do you how confident do you feel i think it really really is going to depend on the company um mm-hmm. you know i so i'm working for Screencastify now, that is uh, the first first company I've worked for that hasn't uh, doing production work. First company I've worked for that hasn't been a consultancy. So it's a really really different mindset um, when you're working with a, a long lived product versus a set of clients where you are you know we we weren't doing bad work, but what you index for, what you prioritize mm-hmm. is can I get something like, do we have, ideally you're working for a consultancy that 
seeks out a lot of the same kinds of clients. So you can yeah. build internal efficiencies. So you're not solving new problems over and over because if you're solving new problems every time, those are expensive. And if, if you can get that work, that's great. But if you're bidding against other people and you're in a cost war and you know, it, it, consultancy is hard consultancy, like agency work is, is really, really exhausting. Um, and so I think though, that I would do well in that kind of environment. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I, like I said, I, 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 one of the reasons I think I did do well in that environment goes back to my theater experience goes back to my production work is like, we've got a hard deadline. The show opens and we're making something new every time and we get through it and we figure it out and we break it down and we work through and we prioritize and that's not necessary. Get rid of it. Like, um, whereas if I was interviewing in, in some place that is gonna like agencies are almost never going to interview you on like hard out, like, like strict algorithms, right. Yeah. You're not going to be doing a lot of whiteboarding in, in an agency uh, environment, but, um, yeah, so don't pay as well. Uh, but <laughs> if I were to go into an environment where um, where I was going to have to do like a, a true whiteboarding, you know, uh, algorithm interview, I would need to do some some serious studying and brushing up again. Um, despite that, like I trained people who then went and got jobs at Google, like like it's it's all stuff that like it's up in here somewhere, but it's not yeah. anything I use every day. So like. I, I would, I would have to really brush up, you know, interviewing is its own skill. Yeah. So, you know, what's, um, when you say it's, it's up here somewhere, right. But, uh, it's actually really interesting to me, um, that I think often people contain the knowledge, but it's totally different having the knowledge and being able to pull it out in, I was going to say a 30 minute interview setting, but even a yeah. three minute, you know, when I'm asked the question and now I have to start to formulate some type of response and think through different data structures that I can apply in this question, like that is a rapid um, recall of those topics and those data structures that you know, that is very different than even a, a real world situation where you're sitting down and going, great, okay, what do we need to do for this, this problem, right? And you're never going to go, we have five minutes to solve this right, before right. we're going to implement over the rest of this product. Uh, it's just a really interesting thing that I think you have to get used to is being able to do that quickly. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, it's totally different from just learning the data structures themselves or the algorithms or whatever they may be. Yeah. Um, great. Well, I, I'm curious, do you have any type of system um, that you would use to break down or is there anything that you've taught in the past? I know um, I, I've, uh, viewed some of your, attended some of your courses, right, on basically um, destructuring and kind of looking at um, um, testing as well. But do you have any type of system around doing interviews? Gosh, uh, you know, the, I, I can't take credit for this. I'm going to give full credit to Full Stack Academy. Um, go just Google Reacto, R-E-A-C-T-O, mm -hmm. Full Stack Academy, and find their blog post where they publicized it. Like, this is the method that they teach when you go to Full Stack. Yeah. And it is, it is a step-by-step, -step, um, sort of, sort of like, you still have to know your algorithms, but it's the, like, follow these steps to keep your cool and keep your head in your interview. Yeah. And I go, I'll see if I can remember it because it's been so long, but it's, um, 
oh gosh are uh it's repeat so repeat the question mm -hmm. examples um uh i think a, i think the a is algorithm no approach sorry approach. examples approach so like come up with sort of your high level approach mm -hmm. um then go then go to code like first three then you start writing your code then you you i think t is test it and then o is optimized yeah um nice. and i think that's actually a fairly good framework to kind of go with any like it's specifically they they do it specifically for whiteboard interviews for coding mm -hmm. algorithm problems but um i think that's a pretty good framework just generally for keeping your head in yeah. in a question like someone someone throws you a question and you're like Gah! and you say stop i'm going to repeat it because that gives you a little bit of time and make sure that you have understanding um and you can clarify things in there and gives you a little bit of time to think. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, examples approach, then like code or, you know, concrete uh, implementation and then check it and optimize. Yeah, that that's, um, I think even that, that first chunk is something that, so many people forget about right it's like yeah I, i've seen very often and even early on in my technical interviews right the first thing is okay well let me start writing code and now i realize yeah. like oh like that's like i can't think abstractly while also typing on the keyboard right those have to be really two separate processes yeah. um and i realize now often i would just start typing because that was just some way to get my brain working which i think repeating the question and um you know talking through your approach does that same thing but in a much more collaborative way and there's not the feeling of like oh now that i've written this thing down i have to use it to some extent yeah right? now you're committed right yeah. like yeah. now now you're down an alley <laughs> yes yeah yeah. Uh, great. Well, that's very helpful. And I'll, I'll link to that, that post in, um, in the, the show notes. Cause I think that's something that I'm always looking for. What is the, what is something someone can fall back on when they see or are presented with a problem where they go, I have no idea. And it's just that, that fight or flight fear, you know, yeah. they get the pit sweat and immediately they just, you have to do something in that moment. Right. Um, and yeah. at least having a short way to work through it is helpful. Yeah, I, I don't know if that, like, I don't know if, honestly, if that blog post is still up, but that it was, it used to be, we used to link to it uh, in our, in a lot of our promotional materials. So yeah, probably it's still there. I'll find something. <laughs> yeah. um, any, any tips or advice for, for engineers that are either going into technical interviews or maybe even, you know, since this seems to be an area that you're especially interested in, like people who are um, going into that first job? Um, going into the first job, I would say, uh, don't be, don't be in a rush to prove yourself. Um, learn to just be comfortable in the fact that you're not going to know things <laughs> at the beginning The your insecurities are going to just shoot through the roof when you land in that first job and it is okay mm -hmm. um you you've been hired for a reason spend your time getting to know things don't be afraid to take time to like do tutorials on the particular tech that you're working in or don't be afraid to ask questions around uh 
you know, if you're, if you've got a question about the code uh, that you're working in, but like, just expect that you're not going to be super productive for months in, in your first job, like months in a new job. Generally, you're not going to be contributing at full potential for a while, but especially in your first job in a new industry, like be kind to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's something uh, that's just helpful for me to hear right now. <laughs> you know, as someone yeah. who's recently shifted into this industry, it's, it's, I think, the it, i think it also depends on where you come from right but like coming from a sales background where it's like numbers matter and, and productivity matters and that's the only thing because it impacts the right. bottom line it's like a very different mindset from like oh it's been three days and i still can't figure out how to set up this environment correctly <laughs> and i've got nothing right. done other than tried 40 different ways to do this right um uh, and the, that is just the place of you know fear and insecurity and holy shit the the world's falling apart um but you know, those, the, easy. let me, I, yeah, let me elaborate on that. Cause like, if you're in that moment, it is so you very quickly, like the insecurity, the mm -hmm. anger, then you start lashing out. You start like, Oh, why is this like this? This is ridiculous. This, you know, use those moments as learning opportunities. Like it sounds yeah. trite, but keep that, keep your inquisitive nature. Um, like you got into code because you were inquisitive almost certainly like that's why I got in like it was it's a new puzzle every day like keep that recognize that it's just it's just your in, your inquisitiveness needs to be on a longer time frame right now yeah everything that you come up against is an opportunity to better understand what you're working with and the other thing is um I think of it like breathing you can't exhale until you've inhaled interesting right you can't put something out. You can't produce anything until you've consumed some knowledge, until you've inhaled and made sense of things. So like, don't go in and try and exhale right away if you haven't inhaled. <laughs> yeah, that that's great advice. And um, just something that I've noticed as well is I think having some type of mentorship internally at the company and and i think this speaks to what you were speaking about early on right which is just having literally some a mentor that you know you can talk to um it early yeah. on is very helpful and i think is at least maybe you, you don't need to say i feel like you know i'm doing awful and everything's gonna explode um but at least someone to talk to who can help you through those issues yeah. um gives a lot more comfort than just being isolated right in that moment yeah. which can, can be terrifying yeah. Remember that you're part of a team. And so don't try and do everything by yourself because it won't be productive. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, well, any other advice for, for folks going into interviews um, or early career um, folks to keep I in mean, mind? Yeah. Just, just remember that the, the interviewee, usually unless they're a jerk wants you to succeed yeah. um, they are probably flooded with more resumes than they know what to do with and so if they have picked you first off they see something that is worth spending an hour of their day on and mm -hmm. an hour of my day not just the hour but splitting up a long window of time that i can be writing code with an hour meeting in the middle is like that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and so if I'm giving you an hour of my time in the middle of my workday, 
I want this to be worthwhile. I want this to be like, yes, that we did it. We did it. (laughs) Um, so like, remember that person wants you to succeed. Um, the other thing is like, is I just say it again. I just, I will just like keep repeating, like breathe, Mm -hmm. give yourself that, that first moment when you are asked a question, repeat it back, give yourself whatever you got to do to like, take, take a minute, let your thoughts form. Like don't, don't exhale before you inhale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Something I learned um, when I was in, in sales and, you know, I'd have stressful times or overwhelming days was just literally I would stop and force myself to count to 10 and take a deep breath on each, each finger. Right. And every time that helped, at least to some, maybe, maybe my problem wasn't gone, but at least I, okay. Now I can move forward. Like I breathe a little bit. And that's something I started doing in it interviews early on too, technical interviews was I would just force myself to to sit there and maybe my, you know, mostly being zoom interviews, my hands would be under the table and I'm trying to make sure I'm breathing. But that's something that I think can, like you said, just be helpful for people um, because you have to at least be able to see the situation before you yeah. just try to start answering questions. Right. And you can say to your interviewer, like, can I just have a minute to think mm-hmm. like, they're they're software engineers they understand the value of like can i just get a minute to think through this hang on yeah if someone if someone faults you for asking for a minute to think you probably don't want to work on that team (laughs) yeah yeah it's a two-way street that's the thing that i think is really hard to to also keep in mind especially early career is like you're interviewing the other individual uh, uh as well so it's always yeah you would want to the interview to be somewhat <laughs> like a, a work situation that you'd actually be interested in going to join. Right. Yeah. I, I would tell my students at full stack uh, that what you always want to try and do, if you're asked a question that you like, think of your knowledge in three sort of concentric rings, like the inner ring is the stuff that, you know, you just know it and you know, you know it. And if you're asked that question, answer it and stand by it. Don't waffle. Don't answer with a question mark. Just like answer that question. If you're asked something in the next ring out, which is like things you're sort of familiar with, you've maybe done a toy project or you've read a bit about it, but you haven't really worked with it much. um, Admit to that, say that, say, Mm -hmm. say exactly what the extent of your knowledge is there and start drawing, drawing parallels or asking questions back to the things you do know. You're like, um, you know, you might say like, oh, well, I've never, I've never used MongoDB, but I've read about it a little bit. It's, uh, I understand that it's a document database rather than tabular data. And so like that, that's interesting that it doesn't have a schema. I'm, I wonder how you would index that. And, and sometimes the, the, like the interviewer might be like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Just use Postgres. It's fine. If that's what you know, we'll use Postgres. Um, but like always be, be pulling, like you want to be having a conversation with a colleague you want Mm -hmm. that person to to picture themselves working with you yeah um and so the more you can spark conversations and show that you can hold an intelligent conversation and less just answer questions the better so like again the third the third ring out are the things you just don't know at all admit to that say that ask and, and like say if you didn't know anything about mongo you would say like i don't know i've never used it I know Postgres, how are they different? And then they, then the, the interviewer might say, well, well, it's a document model instead of a tables model. Like how, 
then you can start asking intelligent questions. And again, like show that you are, that you're a smart person and, and like understand the things you know and can draw intelligent conclusions about other things and ask intelligent questions. Yeah, Ben, I think that's such incredible advice because it is treating it like a conversation makes it easier to do those things as well, right? Because yeah. if you if it was a work colleague, anyone can think of a situation where you didn't know something at work and, you know, your boss or your, your coworker isn't going to be like, you don't know that? They're going to go, oh, okay, let me share more about it, right? Like, what right. do you know about this and how can we help you get up to speed? And I think just treating interviews like a conversation or it's like you're trying to solve this problem with this individual, there's a lot of worth in that just from a mindset yeah. perspective as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, before we move on to the technical portion, um, any interviewing horror stories on either side of the table you're, you're willing to share? Yeah. Um, well, so, so it's not a horror story from an interview I, I gave where I was the interviewer. Somebody just, he took the interview from a coffee shop and this was, and it was noisy and he had bad internet and like, it was just terrible. It was just terrible all around. And he was also not a very good candidate for the job. And, and it just, it went very badly, but like find a quiet place, <laughs> have good internet, like treat this, treat, treat, treat this with a little bit of something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I once early in my career, this would have been probably about 2014, um, I had a, a, an interview with, uh, with Civis analytics. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, it, the interview already wasn't going great. I had already made it through a few rounds, which was, I was kind of surprised by, um, and, but the interview was not going great. And at the end, I think the interviewer just like wanted, wanted to just like, give me something, and she was like, well, how, you know, you're starting a new project. Like, how would you, what do you do when you just start a new project? And I blanked, oh, no. froze, nothing, oh, no. zero. Like probably 10 seconds of silence. And I just went, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't like that was it. And that was the end of the interview. Like it, it was, it, it is the worst possible thing I could imagine. Like I couldn't have even imagined that I would have done that. And I just like, I just got in that death spiral in my head of like, this is totally. going badly. Oh God, say something. No, but it's going so badly. Oh God, say something. And it's, but it's been 15 seconds. And you haven't said anything, but say something like, Oh, started. needless to say, I did not get that job. <laughs> <laughs> I can make myself sweat just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, well, and here uh, I am. It all worked out. I'm fine. Yeah. The nice part about interviewing. Job. Yeah. Yeah. Is that there's always another, there's always more companies, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like I tell everyone, treat, treat every interview as practice for the next one. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app at The Professional Technical Interviewee. I want to thank my guest and my wonderful editor and producer, Dustin Bays. If you're interested in sharing your technical interview advice and being on the show, please reach out at dorsettaylordev at gmail.com. As a reminder, this interview has two parts. 
You can find the second half, which is the live technical interview, on YouTube at The Professional Technical Interviewee. The link will be in the show notes. Until next time, keep practicing.